HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Danone North America, the world's largest B Corp, committed to doing all kinds of better for people and the planet. Learn more at DanoneAwayFromHome.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're spotlighting the people, dishes, and ingredients decolonizing food. We're looking at our Thanksgiving plates and beyond to explore efforts to reclaim food sovereignty in Native American culture, the African diaspora, and Puerto Rico. I believe that oyster dressing is like the consummate side dish for an amazing fried turkey. What we're doing there is just working the land and we're laughing and we're creating a space for joy. And it's in that that healing occurs for us. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. This is the 273rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding longtime maitre d', and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to learn how to read people. As we know, we are all a bit different with how we think, with what we like, and our priorities. And yes, we typically think that our point of view is the right one. So it's important to recognize others' needs and preferences so we can get along better. And we can do so by noting not only what people say, but their appearance, posture, facial expressions, movement, and body language. Being observant is key to understanding one another. So let's pay attention. That's my tip today. Now, I'm excited to have my guest with me. It is Ben Chekroon. He is the general manager at Blue Point Hospitality Group in Maryland and formerly long-standing maitre d' at Le Bernardin in New York City. Given his formative years in Casablanca and Paris, Ben may have a natural advantage when it comes to gracious hospitality and gastronomic refinements. Let's hear all about it. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. Um, I'm really excited to, to, to chat with you and hear all about your career. And I'd like to start out and go back to Casablanca, which is on my must-visit list as soon as we can travel again. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll give you plenty of tips on Casablanca. Yes. So, um, so, so take us back a bit to, to your childhood and, and growing up and what inspired you to get involved in the hospitality industry uh well i grew up in uh, i grew up in casablanca uh i went to the uh, french school the french lycée 
Uh, actually, I was on the technical part of the studies, so I was meant to be studying something on the line of mechanical engineering. Um, I left Casablanca in 1985. I went to Paris to finish uh, uh, my schooling, and I did do two years of college in mechanical engineering in Paris. I finished my high school, actually. I did my last two years of high school in Paris, and then I did two years of mechanical engineering. And after two years, I realized it's not what I wanted to study. And uh, uh, I flirted a little bit with this business in Paris. I kind of, uh, during summer, and to make extra money, I used to wait tables in restaurants. And then I came to the U.S. in 1989, to study English and for one year and I was supposed to go back to Paris and go to a hotel school. Uh, one thing led to another. I did my uh, year of English, started taking business classes and somebody introduced me to a pretty famous chef at the time in Greenwich, Connecticut by the name of Christian Bertrand. Christian Bertrand used to be the chef de cuisine at Lutece and the Andre Solzner, and then opened his restaurant in Greenwich, Connecticut on Greenwich Avenue. And that's really where I started. And uh, the rest is history, Sherry. Uh, things came very natural to me. Uh, fell in love with the industry. I always was attracted to it. And uh, from Bertrand, I went to the Inn at Paris that Jean-Georges is running now, but back then was the Treble family. And from the Inat marriage, I came to Le Bernardin in 93. Um, a friend of mine tried to get me in in 92, and I refused. I didn't want to come to the city. Liked Connecticut very much at the time. And in 93, he insisted, and I joined as a waiter for a few months, then a captain for a couple of years. My predecessor left. Jacques Le Magueres, and then I took over his position and spent my uh, last uh, 27 years at Le Bernada. Wow, amazing. I mean, I can't, I mean, I've, I've dined at Le Bernardin and, uh, but more, more recently um, in the past several years, what was it like back then when you started and how did it change over the years um, I mean, as as you know, such a a, a remarkable uh, three Michelin star, four New York Times star restaurant that has such an amazing reputation. I mean, how did you, how did the restaurant change? And and also, I mean, with your position, it's pretty amazing that you, that you worked up to to the maitre d and stayed for such a long time. <laughs> Well, uh, I believe it was more. Uh, it was more than a metro. It was more of a uh, dining room front of the house director. I uh, uh, at the end of my career there, I was uh, running the front of the house at Le Bernardin, uh, and also had under my umbrella the uh, front of the house at the wine bar, and both private rooms. And one of them is Privé, which is a pretty substantial. Uh, private room. So um, the changes when I started, uh, the team at Le Bernard and the, the dining room team and the kitchen team were very lean, were very small teams. Uh, business was very different. Um, then we started, for example, uh, we did not have a sommelier when I started at Le Bernard and there was no sommeliers. Um, and then one thing led to another. We got one sommelier. Today there is a team of six or seven sommeliers at Le Bernarda. Um We had uh, one cheese offered, which I remember used to be Rockford. Then we went to Cheese Tray. Then we went to Cheese Cart with more than 25 cheeses on it. So there were a lot of changes and every year. Uh, things did not stagnate. We did not just sit there and wait for things to pass by. We change things. We evolve with time. We change the format of the menu. We used to have periodically a tasting menu on a flyer. Today, there were three tasting menus on the menu when I left. There was a chef menu, a Bernada menu, vegetarian menu. 
the team in the dining room is easily three times larger than the one I found when I started. So on the dining room team, when we closed uh, at the beginning of COVID, it was more than 55 people. This is only for Le Bernardin. I'm not talking about the wine bar or privé. Yeah, and and I have to say, I mean, my experiences there, and I, I met you there. Last time I was dined, uh, I was with dear Rita Jamais, our mutual friend, and we sat in the lounge area, which was super special to be to be in that area. And it was just it was just such an amazing experience. And and it's not, I think it's 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 the the hospitality and the was is a huge part of it beyond the delicious food. It's um. You 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 bring um, you and the team just brought this amazing uh, hospitality experience and made people it made me feel so warm and welcome, um, even at you know at a, at a fine dining level. Sometimes restaurants like that can or can be perceived as being a bit stuffy or or not as um, welcoming in in a, in a in a I guess in a cozy sort of way. Um, but it was definitely special. And what happened? So what happened with with COVID earlier this year, and with the restaurant and um, your your position? Uh, what happened is when COVID came, uh, uh, we closed, and uh, um, uh, we didn't know for how long. Uh, it could have been two weeks, three weeks, but ended up being a lot longer. And uh, everybody was laid off, uh, uh, which is normal. And uh, and then, uh, you know, it, it was also um, 27 years is a long time. And um, things, I start thinking about the future. And, and really, um, uh, I did not at the time expect to leave Le Bernardin. And uh, what happened is... As many of my uh, guests and friends and customers and, and peers in the industry were reaching out and we were checking on each other and seeing how's everybody doing and if everybody is safe, uh, a few people actually, a few of my friend guests, I, I will say that because after 27 years, they're not just customers, they're really friends. And some of them, I know their families, I know their kids. Uh, um, uh, somebody, uh, my my actual boss, my current boss, uh, used to check on me a few times, and I thought that really, uh, I thought it was really kind of him to think of me in the midst of COVID and and just check on me and check on how I was doing and uh, my kids and I, and uh, and then the person find out that we were closed and everybody was unemployed and invited me to come up to Eastern Maryland where uh, he lives and this gentleman is Paul Prager, Mr. Prager, the owner of Blue Point Hospitality. And I went up for a weekend and loved, I was speechless at what they've done in Eastern Maryland. Eastern is a very small town with a lot of history. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a town of 17,000 people and a beautiful, charming little town in Eastern Maryland uh, on the Eastern shore. And uh, I came up and basically here is this Blue Point Hospitality Group that opened uh, five, six, seven different businesses on the same block. And uh, and I was just really, really, really speechless. I, uh, I, uh, I loved what they were doing. I loved the attention to detail. I loved the luxury, the standard of the every place from the coffee shop to the gastronomical restaurant. Everything is done at super high end. And uh, and uh, Mr. Prager asked me to consult for him while we were closed. And uh, and he was worth uh, was his worth helping me. And during these rough times where everybody is unemployed, he said, "Why don't you consult for me?" And uh, and I recognize that. I recognize the gesture. I recognize the friendship. Um, uh, we know each other again for over 20 years. And I started consulting for him. Uh, I will go up half of the week by Wednesday, Thursday, and stay until Saturday night late and come back to uh, Montclair where I live. One thing led to another. I enjoy working for him very much from the beginning. He's very, very involved. 
Uh, I enjoyed the team. Uh, I loved the people at Bluepoint. I really did. I did not meet anybody that I didn't click with. And uh, I also thought about the potential. What's next? What's coming? Uh, interesting thing to do. And and I thought about maybe it will be for me really interesting to bring what I've learned and what I've done to my career and apply it somewhere else uh, as far as uh, management and service and customer service and and, 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 and everything else. And I decided in the middle of COVID to, to, uh, to leave La Bernada, which was a, a very, um, very tough decision to, to make. But I must uh, admit that the way Bluepoint welcomed me and uh, the way uh, the relation I established right away with my coworkers there and with the, Mr. Prager that I knew for a long time, made the transition very easy. And I decided to move on. I decided to do that for myself and do something different and uh, and uh, have more flexibility. And that's what I uh, that's what I decided to do. And that's what I did. And I ended up resigning, I think, in August from the Bernada and joined, uh, and joined Blue Point Hospitality. Yeah, well, I mean, there they're they're lucky to have you 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 know service and hospitality i mean as i was saying earlier it's my experiences with everything um at la bernadette were always extraordinary so uh it's it's great that um you've joined blue point and i was on i was on their website and and learning all about the different properties because i have not been down to this part of maryland so i'm due for a trip um sure that you get <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but I was, I was, I was pretty amazed um, uh, with with all the the different concepts they have because it's not just restaurants. There's there's different businesses. Do you do you want to um, talk a little bit about the different concepts and also what what your role is with how are you more focusing on the the restaurant concepts as as the general manager or are you kind of um, uh, a part of all all of the different businesses. So, uh, as you said, as you mentioned, there are many businesses. There is Barouge, which is our uh, high-end gastronomical uh, European, European flared restaurant. Uh, and uh, Chef Harley Pitt is the executive chef for the group, but also supervises and emphasizes on on, on, on Barouge, uh, the chef de cuisine is Phil. The team there, the culinary team is young and so passionate. It is something I have not seen in a long time. There is passion coming out of uh, when they talk about what they're doing and the enthusiasm and the excitement. It's really, really refreshing. And that's one thing that draw me also to the place is, is how passionate the people are about what they do. Uh, we have also a single malt scotch and champagne restaurant called The Stewart. Uh, very British. Uh, we serve small plates. It has one of the biggest uh, single malt scotch collection in the country. It's absolutely delightful. Uh, Sunflower Greens is a little bit our, um, you know, very fresh um it's the equivalent of a sweet green but on steroids everything is fresh everything is organic uh we offer soups we offer maybe sandwich or two but a lot of salads and you make your own it's absolutely delicious it's beautiful and it does really really well uh weather gauge is our coffee shop and uh, I'll tell you again, the attention to detail in every outlet, it's just mind boggling. And uh, when you come up and you will see, Sherry, what I'm talking about, that's one thing that struck me when I went there the first weekend. It was wow. And uh, again, the weather gauge is a coffee shop. Uh, right now, obviously, there is no indoor service. So it's either you sit outside or you grab and go. And the attention of detail is fantastic. We serve also really high-end uh, teas there, marriage, frère tea, and some baked goodies that we do in-house, of course. Uh, Bonheur is our ice cream parlor with some pies. And uh, obviously, every ice cream is homemade. Um, Bumblebee Juice is our uh, cold-pressed juicery, and we are adding broth to it. 
So bone broth, beef broth, uh, mushroom broth, that's the broth program will be launched uh, any day now. And uh, we have a store called the Benjamin, where we do very high-end crystal and porcelain and silver plate and uh, china and silverware. Everything comes from Austria and Germany. And the latest one is uh, the wardroom. So the wardroom when I joined was in construction. And uh, we, I was part of the opening team when we opened it. It's a little bit of an Epicurean market that has a wine store, uh, a beautiful cheese selection, charcuterie selection. For lunch, it's uh, sandwiches. And at night, we turn it into a gnocchi and wine bar. We have about 24 wines by the glass dispensed with enomatic machines. So we are able to open really high-end bottles uh, from, you can have from an $8 glass of wine to a $75 glass of wine or more. And that was the latest uh, venture we opened. At the same time, we opened a bookstore called Flying Cloud. And yes, it's a bookstore. It has absolutely uh, no food in it. We have a large children section. And it's a beautifully, beautifully done uh, bookstore. And uh, a pizza place is on the way and should be open before the end of the year. And more to come. So, Amazing. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 you cover basically every need that a human could, could want or desire, I think. <laughs> it, it, well, and, I, and I'm telling you, I met I met through this summer being there. I met a lot of people visiting the Eastern Shore and, and the area. Yeah. And people who were maybe thinking of renting or buying, or and they stumble on a block like that. All these businesses are literally on one block. And and it's it's a decision-changing uh, block for them because uh, you, you stumble on a block like this and you want to live close by. And uh, it is phenomenal, the energy uh, that Blue Point Hospitality and Mr. Prager are, are creating in Eastern Maryland. Uh, it's really, I mean, the feedback from the guests is, is just phenomenal. When, when did Blue Point initially launch their first concept? Is this all fairly, fairly new or? The first um, concept? was Barouge and it was launched about three years ago, give and take. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it sounds and looks amazing. And, uh, what, so are you, you're commuting back and forth, um, every week? Is that, is that what your schedule's like now? I spend half of my week on site in Easton and the other half, uh, being a single dad, I have my kids with me. So the other half, I'm, I work from home and uh, I'm in Montclair and the New York area. Yes. And that's for by choice and probably will do so for the next two years. Uh, once my kids are out to college, then I will definitely move to Easton. Oh, well, I know, I know you have amazing tastes, so I trust, I trust um, in this concept and I can't wait to check it out. I will definitely take you up on uh, the offer to, to visit. So yes, yes absolutely. Uh, let me ask you my question from my last guest on episode 272. Uh, I had on Clay Williams. He is a Brooklyn-based photographer specializing in food, drinks, and events. And he's the co-founder of Black Food Folks, a fellowship of Black professionals in food and drink. So he wants to know, what's it like balancing the hospitality experience for guests with safety concerns, with the idea of also taking care of your staff and keeping everybody safe? So in particular of this this time of, of the pandemic that we're dealing with. Well, we take we take uh, safety, especially in these very special times, really seriously. And and this is coming from uh, the top of and the ownership of the company from Mr. Prager, not only for our guests, but also for for the team. And uh, we want everybody to be safe. 
and there is no measures that uh, are not taken we don't uh, we take this really really seriously so we we keep it at the uh, in maryland right now it's at 50% capacity so we do that and even less the 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 space between tables and the number of people we allow in is also uh, being monitored and we really just uh, do whatever it takes in the midst of the pandemic i know and that was before uh, right before i joined i know they closed for a while and 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 mr prager made sure that every employee was taken care of but yet decided for safety measures to close all businesses they had some meals to go for people that wants to do some takeout but the all businesses were closed and uh, and again he made a point to take care of all his employees uh, and that shows you that uh, safety and of guests and of the team come before the business absolutely we i have seen that firsthand when i joined and that is something that uh, we are reminded of as the senior management uh, literally weekly and daily by by the ownership yes so since so you've been you've been in hospitality for for a long time what is it that you love most about what you do and what would you say are the biggest challenges what I do, what I love about what I do is, is, is obviously people. You can't be in hospitality if you don't like people. And, and, and people meaning uh, uh, co-workers, meaning guests, meaning customers. And, 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 and hospitality is really, uh, you know, what we try to do, what I tried to do in uh, my past job and what I'm doing now, uh, I think getting a perfect high-end service uh, and you, you you go through it uh, uh, reading the guest uh, you know being there for the guest paying attention having the right service having the right environment having a safe environment but also uh, you know doing it in a humble way um, uh, you 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 work in most of my life I worked in high-end places and Barouge is a very high-end places and the steward now in in Blue Point but doesn't matter who comes to the door we want to make everybody feel comfortable we want everybody to enjoy their moment could it be uh, somebody who eats in high-end restaurant every day or somebody who comes once a year we want everybody to have a great time and it is our job to train our teams to recognize that and to make people feel comfortable and uh, and that's what I love most about the business. That's what I like to pass to the, to the team. I mean, the technicality of the service, it's fine. You show them how to how to do it. You show them, you tell them why they should do it that way, and with training they will get it. But to to put into your team this type of you go to certain places and you know you hear people saying I went there. It was kind of stuffy, arrogant. Uh, I like people to come to wherever I am and feel really comfortable and feel at ease and feel, I believe if you are comfortable wherever you're dining, if you are comfortable, if you feel good, you will enjoy your meal a lot more than if you are not comfortable. Yes, that's my true belief. Yes, and I th- I think uh, I think you you do you do do that. I mean, as I was saying, just based on my own experiences, that's exactly uh, what what I got out of it. Uh, you made me feel extremely comfortable and happy and content, and it was uh, it was it was just it's special. Um, I think you br- you bring a, a specialness to to service. So um, on that note, let's take a little break. And we'll come back, we'll play my speed round game, we'll have some industry news discussion, and I have my solo dining experience, plus the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Every time your customers eat and drink, they vote for the world they want to live in. And as the world's largest B Corp, to know North America helps people vote for a better world with all kinds of better dairy, coffee, and plant-based products sourced and produced transparently. To know North America has the brands people know and love, like International Delight, Oikos, Silk, So Delicious Dairy Free, 
Horizon Organic, and Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. But Dino North America represents more than just in-demand brands and better-for-your-business products. They bring their B Corp certification to life in ways that protect the environment and communities by utilizing 100% renewable electricity sources to produce their products at their manufacturing facilities, committing $6 million to programs that restore the soil's ability to capture and sequester carbon, helping to restore more than 7.8 billion gallons to freshwater ecosystems through their water partnerships over the past decade, and committing to 100% reusable, recyclable, and compostable packaging by 2025. Learn how you can choose better at DenoneAwayFromHome.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and my guest is Ben Chekrun. He is the general manager at Blue Point Hospitality Group in Maryland, and he is formerly the longstanding maitre d' at La Bernadin in New York City. So, Ben, it is time for my speed round game. What this is, is I'm going to name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Sure. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Out. Wine, beer, cocktail, non-alcoholic beverage, or champagne? That's a difficult one, but I will say wine and cocktails. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking also with your concepts, I should have like whiskey in there and <laughs> more choices. Coffee. Um Okay, we'll keep going. How about a tasting menu or a la carte? Mm, tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. White tablecloth restaurants or bare tables? Um, white tablecloth. I wasn't sure where you're going to go in that one, but you have a long history with white tablecloths. So. You know, depending on the concept, both can be super elegant and super nice. Yeah, true. How about steamed blue crabs or crab cakes? Oh, crab cakes. That's Maryland. That's why. <laughs> I know. Well, I've, I, you have a lot of choices in Maryland when it comes to crabs. So. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, Easton, Maryland, and I'll throw in Paris or Casablanca. Uh, you know, that's the probably the toughest question because... <laughs> Definitely, uh, New York is in my heart, and I spent the longest uh, uh, time of my life in New York, and I am a true New Yorker at heart. I must say also that uh, really, and this might be surprising, but it should not be, I really, really uh, fell for uh, Eastern Maryland. Uh, the history, the people, the people I met there, I love going back there when I go Thursday morning early. And uh, yes, but New York is New York. And there is no city like uh, like uh, in the world like New York. And we all know that New York will come back stronger than ever. And I know that for a fact, and nobody will can say otherwise. Yes, well, I agree. And I mean, Easton, I have to, I have to check out this city because... Um, uh, yeah, you're you've given it quite qu- quite um, a compliment complimentary uh, description, and I just can't wait to see what it's all about. And it's not how far how far is it as um, of a I from drive. New York City about three hours and twenty minutes, not okay. even. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really a fantastic area to come out and have a long relaxing weekend. Yeah. And I wasn't sure on that one if maybe you'd, we haven't really talked about Paris that, I mean, at the beginning you got, you started out your career there, but um, 
I mean, Paris is one of my favorite cities as well. Uh, I don't know if you have. I really do. I I spent four years in Paris. I was very lucky to to live in in Saint Germain, in Le Marais, and uh, only great memories. But uh, I I have this joke that I say to people when we talk about New York. When you get the New York virus, when you when you spend time in New York and when you discover the city and you discover the boroughs and you 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 really discover New York City, it's really really hard to live and to compare to anything else. At least that I've seen. Um, I I was in Japan last year in September. Um, I lived in Paris. I grew up in Casablanca. Um, I I tell you, New York is New York City. It's uh, when they say it's the the center of the world. It really is. And uh, yes, I love Paris. Love going on vacation. Love the city. Love the food scene. But New York is very dear to my heart. Oh yeah, I hear you. I've I've been here since '98, so <laughs> so I, I definitely got the New York City bug myself, um, and and love it as well. And yes, it's it is it will always always um, survive and come back and thrive because it's New York City. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely, no doubt. So, okay, so for industry news, uh, there was an article in the New York Times today that I picked out, and it's titled. What if cocktail mixers were actually good? Prefab drink mixes have long had a bad name, but here come several made with natural ingredients and a craft bartender's sensibility. And this was by Robert Simonson. So I thought I thought it was interesting or it was a, a good article to, to talk a little bit about because you know, I I mean I had Dale DeGroff on my show not that long ago, the king of cocktail and uh, you, you know, I think things changed in the in the industry, in the bar industry, uh, many years ago when uh, people stopped using mixers um, uh, because they were they were basically you know made with artificial flavors, and uh, you know bartenders were were making everything from from scratch. And so this is now a bit of a a movement, um, like a revival of mixers, but ones with natural ingredients. And that are you know better quality, and it seems like the pandemic has kind of fast tracked this a little bit for people who want to be making nice cocktails at home um, without maybe being as labor intensive as the work that bartenders, many bartenders or craft bartenders typically do. Um, what's your? Did you see this piece? And what's what's your take? I did see the piece, actually. I did read the article. Um, my take is, look, in, in, in times like we live in, in right now during the pandemic and, uh, uh, you know, uh, people not willing and not able to, to go out and socialize and do what they usually do, yes, probably uh, the, the mixer's business will, will thrive and, and, and I'm sure there are people out there doing some really high-end quality uh, uh, mixers. But again, uh, there is nothing, and this is my personal opinion, there is nothing like going to a bar and, 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 and having your own cocktail made by a great bartender. That's a craft. That's, that's, that's a real craft. I, there's a place in Barcelona I go to on every visit. It's, it's, it's a speakeasy called Paradiso. Uh, I love going to employees only in the city. And to see these guys making the cocktail, I love, uh, you know, freshly squeezed juices and, and fresh product and natural product. Uh, I think that craft, uh, you, if you really love cocktail, you will appreciate watching that. And, and, and I don't see how mixers can take that away. Not at least for me. Again, yes, today people are not going out. They want to have a cocktail at home. Sure. But when things get back to normal, again, that craft being demonstrated in front of you, uh, when you go to the bar at the Nomad and, and, and you see these people working and how good they are at what they do, um, I think that's really priceless and, and nothing will replace that. Yeah. So that's on it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think the craft of the, craft of the cocktail and... Um, the process of it, there's something 
so special about it that you can't you can't replace that with a mixer. Uh, but I do think also that this is this is this is good. This is. I mean, if if I guess if if there are going to be mixers and if there's going to be uh, products out there that are going to help people make excellent drinks, um, it's it's great that they are quality products um, and that people are putting a lot of thought into these these modern mixers. Um, and and I mean, there are a few people in here that I knew like. Uh, Eamon Rocky who used to be at Bettany. He has a Rocky's liquor that he's he's now made and is selling. And um, and he's I mean, people like him who come from the fine dining and the appreciation of of the craft, like I think you and I have. I I think um, whatever the products that they're doing, uh, they're putting it's like a labor of love that they're trying to make it as as fabulous as they can. So. It's, I am sure, due to the pandemic and due to the demand, because they must have had a lot of demand for that, I'm sure there are some beautiful products in mixers that will emerge and, and that have emerged. But again, if, you, if you're if you a cocktail lover, if you like your cocktail, uh, there is nothing like sitting in a bar and, and really having uh, uh, and watching somebody doing what they do best and, uh, and, and appreciating the craft and having them do your cocktail. Yeah. True. Well, well, that's that. And um, before I do my solo dining experience, I just wanted to give a little shout out to David Chang, uh, just a little industry news. Also, uh, on ABC's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which aired this last Sunday, uh, chef restaurateur David Chang of the Momofuku Empire he was the first celebrity and chef to win a million dollars on the show. Um, and it, all the money is going to a charity, which he selected, uh, the Southern Smoke Foundation, which is a Texas-based charitable organization that provides crisis relief for people working in the food and beverage industry. So this was, I watched I watched it. You could find it online now, and it's pretty exciting because he gambled. I mean, he went for it to win the whole million, and he's the first celebrity to actually win it so it's pretty cool um if you want like a feel-good moment for the industry because it's a it's a charity win uh you guys uh google it and uh congratulations to david chang that's amazing yeah um really amazing so okay for my solo dining experience i went to a restaurant called rosella so here's the rundown the location 137 avenue a um, off of East 9th Street in the East Village, New York City. So the concept is a sushi restaurant serving sustainable seafood. The chefs and partners are Yoni Lang and Jeffrey Miller, who were former chefs at Uchico in Austin, Texas. And the managing partner is TJ Provenzano. So why did I go? Well, I love sushi, and this was a new concept, and it's sustainable seafood, and sounded great, so I wanted to check it out. So my experience, um, on a recent Friday night, I made, I made a reservation at six o'clock for one outside. Um, it wasn't that cold out, which was good. And um, I sat outside, I got to chat with uh, the server or manager, her name was Shay, and uh, we talked about the industry and she was really warm and welcoming. And um, I had a really lovely experience. Uh, she had recommended a few things to the menu and then I, I went with, she, she liked what I decided to go with um, and I did too. And um, I had, a, I had a, a nice time. So what did I get? Well, I decided to get the Chirashi bowl and I had a green tea. So my take, so the Chirashi bowl was fabulous. Um, it's, people don't know, it's basically you get your your sashimi uh, in a bowl on top of a bed of rice. It had roe and avocado and herbs and some fried shallots. And the fish included salmon and monkfish. And it was really fresh and super delicious um, and filling. So I was, I'm was i glad I went with that. And the tea was served in a really lovely teapot. And it was it was great combo to have. Uh, the ambiance, so it's a, they have a minimalistic sort of deck out front. And they had some heat lamps on top. And uh, the inside, it has a beautiful sushi bar and open-faced or uh, window, street-lined window, um, windows where people can actually sit, um, some stools facing the street. And um, it looked really nice inside. There weren't, there weren't 
they were getting ready to do like a tasting menu inside for people. But the time I was there, um, there it was just the chefs uh, working and everyone else was outside. Uh, perfect for sushi lovers. Uh, interesting tidbit. So my former guest on episode 251, Anna Polanski of Polanski and Friends can be credited for Rosella's design. And personal fun fact, when I was in Austin a couple years ago, I dined at uh, their sister, re- the sister restaurant of Tyson Cole's, which is Uchi. Um, his, the restaurant, the other restaurant of his is Uchiko, which the chefs had come from. So I had been to Uchi before and it was great. So I kind of knew this one would be great too. Uh, the cost was $52, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is rosellanyc.com. So there we go. Um, ben, I'm thinking like maybe maybe your your restaurant group now needs to open a sushi concept. <laughs> I'm surprised. There are many ideas cooking right now and uh, and uh, and certainly the word sushi came up a few times. So uh, we'll see. We, we're going to deal with the pizza place and get it open before the end of the year. But um, we're not stopping there. There are a lot more coming and lot more exciting things that we are working on and thinking of yeah well i look forward to seeing what what progresses because it seems if if all these concepts that uh the group has formed just in the past couple of years um i can only imagine what's what's to come absolutely we will stay tuned uh my next guest is Elizabeth Tilton. So we're going to do the final question where I'm going to ask you to ask her a question. So Elizabeth is the founder and CEO of Oyster Sunday, which is a corporate office for independent restaurants and food brands whose mission is to build a sustainable and supportive infrastructure for the food and beverage industry. So Ben, what would you like to ask Elizabeth? Um, well... I'm not familiar with her company. Uh, can you tell me what she does again? It's a new company that she founded, I believe, last year. And basically, it's it's support for independent restaurants and food brands um, with their infrastructure, with their... I think she's she's offering a lot of different services from consulting to... I think she's been helping um, many of the restaurants get through the the pandemic with with new business plans and um, and so and she's based she was living in New York but I believe she's now in New Orleans. Mm, yeah. Well, actually, there, there is a question that uh, it's funny. I was having lunch somewhere in the city yesterday. Actually, at a beautiful restaurant. The the Armani uh, restaurant uh, at the Armani store. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I've I've been there before. It is lovely. It is lovely, and now and and the chef is is an absolutely an amazing chef, uh, Michele uh, Brogioni. And we were talking about the industry, and uh, we were both in agreement that uh, New York will come back stronger. What I'm curious, and I'm, I'm almost certain as well, is I think it will come back stronger, but I think business will come back different as well. And I would love to, my question will be to have her input on how different and what different about the business post-pandemic. I don't think the business will be under the same form as pre-COVID. I think Yes, New York will come back. Business will come back. But I think the restaurant industry will uh, change somehow. I just can't figure out how it will change. I mean, you walk through New York today and you see all this outdoors uh, buildup that people are doing. Um, Tomorrow, the vaccine come out. I do not think that it's going to be business back as usual. I think things will be different way after the, the vaccine is out and efficient and working. And my question, especially uh, since uh, she does consulting, is what is going to be different about our business post-pandemic, at least what she thinks will be different about our business uh, post-pandemic and after after COVID. It's a great question. I think it's a great and it's... Um... It's going to be interesting to see uh, how she answers that and, and to see what actually uh, 
what the future does look like. Cause I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's going to come back, but I think it is going to look different and, but yeah, how is it going to look different? So we'll see what Elizabeth has to say about that. <laughs> yes. I, I can't wait to hear that actually. Yeah. Um, well, that's the show and you are fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm really excited that you have this, this new position in Maryland and I, I wish you the best. It sounds so fabulous. So I'm really happy for you. Thank you, Sherry, for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. It was always a pleasure hosting you at La Bernada, And I hope I'll have the opportunity to host you up in Eastern Maryland and you can come and see what we do. And uh, I would love also as a professional, get your feedback and, uh, and yes, and we take it from there. Thank you. And I'm, I, I mean, as my parents can attest to, I always say on this show how much I, I want to go places and, and visit. And, but I'm also one of those people that does go places and visit because I just, I'm, I'm always um, intrigued and uh, interested. And this just sounds so fabulous. And also with my travel, over the past year, it's turned to more road trips and and local or easier to get to places. And and Easton sounds easy enough to get to. So. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So and thank you. So my guest today has been Ben Chekroon. He is the general manager at Blue Point Hospitality Group in Maryland. And he's formerly the longstanding maitre d' at La Bernadette in New York City. Their website is bluepointhospitality.com. And you can follow Ben and the restaurant group on Instagram at ben.chekroon. That's B-E-N dot C-H-E-K-R-O-U-N and at Blue Point Hospitality. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda Wang, and thanks again to Ben. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another new show. I hope you'll tune in then. Stay safe and well, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.